Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It is the Monday show with myself, Andrew Musgrove, and Newcastle United editor Aaron Stokes. We are here to talk about all things Newcastle United, the transfer market, talk of expansion at the stadium, Anthony Gordon doing wonders for the England and 21s, and much, much more. Aaron, first off, you had a nice weekend? Yeah, lovely weekend. Um, Got out of Newcastle, went down south, watched a good friend of mine get married, so yeah, very, very nice. What about yourself? I spent the weekend doing something very exciting, planing doors in the house. Oh yeah, you did You did text me about that. Wasn't very envious of you, to be fair. No, Saturday, a lovely hot day, and there was me <laughs> trying to saw down a door to make it fit. That's that's what my life has become. That's married life for you now, isn't it? It is, it is. But yes, you know things need to be done. But plenty going on in the world of Newcastle United. Um, and we're going to start with the latest transfer news. And that is on Sandro Tonali. Got that one right? Because I got a lot of stick over the weekend. Admittedly, I did inadvertently stick in an extra I in his name, which I didn't do on purpose. I just... You're getting confused with Bruno Tonioli, aren't you? I hear you're a big fan, Aaron. (laughs) Um, Yes, Sandro Tonali. EC Milan midfielder for now, but we expect him to be a Newcastle United player within the next few days. This one... His sort of come out of the blue. There was whispers Newcastle were watching him, but their focus lay elsewhere, i.e. Uh, Barella over Inter Milan. The, the prices being talked about there were, were quite astronomical. However, they've then moved on to a player who, midfielder, but a different sort of midfielder. But interestingly, what I find is that he's not that much cheaper, we believe, than um, but Barella would have been. And, and also the background we believe Barella wouldn't leave Inter Milan because he was a boyhood Inter Milan fan. Why would you leave your boyhood club? Inter Milan going well in the league, going well in the Champions League. Not too distant from what Tenali's doing, though. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I'd, I just want to first say thank you to all the people that have kindly reminded me that on last week's pod, I give it a 2 out of 10 for Tenali uh, joining. But I think, going off what you said there, it was because the fact that they've gone for Barella and he said no. And, you know, you look at Tenali... He was probably the hardest midfielder to steal from AC Milan, and they've somehow done it. Boyhood Milan fan. His dad is one of the ultras. He said it's his dream to play for the club. He's came out on four occasions and says he, that he'll never leave. And somehow, Newcastle United have swooped in and, and managed to steal him. So maybe with hindsight, because they've already you know they've already interested in Barella, maybe we should have given it more than a two out of ten. But I'll be completely honest. I thought it was all paper talk in Italy until it started. Um, emerging about Tuesday, Wednesday last week. Big, big statement signing, and yeah, and, and very impressive that they've they've seemingly got it done. And it shows you the bigger picture as well. You know, instantly Dan Ashworth and Steve Nixon are over in Milan sorting the deal out, and then we believe the medical staff have gone out to Romania, where Tenardi's on international duty with the Italian in the twenty ones, and you cast United mean business, and they're going to do everything in their power to make sure these deals get done and as swiftly as possible. Yeah, I think it was a really, really good sign to see Ashworth out there last week, Steve Nixon chatting with the agent in a top Milan hotel. I think, you know, gone are the days where Lee Charnley was, you know, trying to do these type of deals from his office um, at the ground at Benton. So, yeah, very, very positive. They've acted very swiftly to get it done. Um I think the player himself is probably a bit surprised as to you know what happened. I don't think there was any sort of murmurs of discontent from him. I don't think he was pushing to leave. I think Newcastle have just went to them with such a good offer that Milan have said he might be you know a boyhood fan and a future captain of the club, but 
it makes financial sense to, to let him go. Well, that's what the agent said, wasn't it? It's a big step for him in his career, Tenali, and then also it helps out not just uh, EC Milan financially, but also the team that he joined EC Milan for. So it seems to make sense for, for every party in Newcastle, of course, on, on the face of it, are getting a very good player. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, lots of fanfare around Barella, obviously, but I think in a player like Tonali, you're getting, you know, a hybrid midfielder. You're getting someone who, yes, he can play as a six and sit and sweep, but he can also, you know, fantastic dribbler, very, very good passer, very good at set pieces. Um, he can play sort of anywhere across the midfield. Very, very exciting player, young, hungry, you know, 14 caps at national level. Um, yeah, and I think the the outcry at Milan has been noticeable. Fans not happy, teammates not happy. I think probably some of the board probably not happy, you know, that they've let Tonali go. As I said, it's a huge, huge statement. Stewart says the signing of Tonali will help us attract other top talent to the club. And I've seen a lot of people say, well, this is the kind, this is the key and trippier move of this window because... He is a big name, and others will look around and say, "Okay, if he's if he's leaving Milan to join Newcastle, then maybe we'll step up and up and take no." But it's interesting what you say about the reaction over in Milan because it started out as if he'll never leave Milan to go to Newcastle. Mm -hmm. Then it was he's not good enough for Newcastle. I mean, sorry, he's he's too good for Newcastle. Now actually, he's not that much. He's not that good, and you, you, you've paid too much. We've gone through the different kind of stops on this journey. I think it just tells you everything you need to know. As you say, that the fallout I think just sums up exactly how highly held in regard he was at AC Milan. It tells you exactly the kind of calibre of player Newcastle are getting, and not just not just you know the, the type of calibre they're getting. I think just the fact that you know this is a player who you know he was at Brescia, came up, he was you know dubbed the next best thing, snubbed into Milan to go to AC Milan. It was his dream. He, you know he took a pay cut to to sign there permanently. As I've said earlier in the show, he came out four or five different times and said, you know, he'd he never leave, he never want to leave. It's not just the type of player they're getting on the pitch, it's the fact that they've managed to get, you know, a player that AC Milan fans and board thought was going to be the next Maldini, the next Baresi, someone who just would never leave the San Siro. And I think, you know, this is the pull of Newcastle United now. Yes, they can offer Champions League football, but also... Um, they're obviously going to dole his wages. He's going to be playing alongside some fantastic players. You know, it's a, it's a very good package overall, I think. Critics would say, well, of course his head's going to be turned. You know, he's going to at least double his wage packet. But I would say it's much more than about the money. You know, it's, it's easy to pick up a, a, a bigger wage in many ways. But, you know, then the questions are asked, well, why? Why, why else am I going to move hundreds of miles, a different country, leave my family behind, new city, you know, a, 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 a more difficult league, some would argue. It's not just all about the money. And I think you, you're spot on. He's been sold ambition. He's been sold that Newcastle United are no longer this stepping stone of a club. Remember when Johan Gabay came, it was all about, well, you come here and in a couple of years' time, you know, the big boys will come knocking and we'll cash in. We'll sell you on. We'll make a profit. You'll get your big move. Whereas now it is all about achieving those trophies and achieving those honours at Newcastle United. And I think if if you believe as a club in yourself, then any potential arrival you're trying to sell a big move to are also going to believe in you. Yeah, absolutely. I think, look, the money's one thing, but, you know, he's a player who's in the past has shown that money isn't everything to him. He's now getting to test himself in, you know, the best and biggest league in the world. A brand new challenge from leaving Italy for the first time. Champions League football, by the way. This move would not be happening and 
if Newcastle had finished fifth or sixth. No way, especially not with AC Milan finishing in the Champions League spots and getting to the semi-finals that season. And also, you know, Newcastle now on the world stage when they're on Sky Sports every other week and people are seeing what St James's Park are like. Players, and look, I'm not I'm not saying Tenali's obviously watched a lot of Newcastle games, but I don't know, but I bet a lot of foreign players that are watching the Premier League think, I wouldn't mind playing there. So as I said, it's a package. There's four or five positives to make the move. Yes, he's leaving a boyhood club. I'm sure there'll be, you know, maybe slight reservations over it, given that he didn't really want to happen. But, you know, he's he's joining a club on the up at the right time. It certainly is. Uh, hello to Derek, who's watching. He says, a Monday show on a Monday, three in a row. Yes, Derek, we mean business. <laughs> Although the way Aaron's feeling, he might not last the full hour. Um, but yes, the Monday show on a Monday, we... We'll uh, endeavour to continue on this trend. Hello to John. Hello to the mighty Wynn. Uh, hello to, to Nathana over in Singapore. Thank you very much, guys, for tuning in. And yes, as the mighty Wynn says, if you're watching live on YouTube, hit that like button. And um, that helps us get the video out to a, a few more people. Uh, a lot of people are asking why the delay, because there was some hope that this deal could be announced Friday, Saturday, then today. But there does seem to be this kind of acceptance that it's probably going to be later in the week now. So what is the, the reason behind that? Yeah, look, I think there's just a few formalities that they need to iron out. I think the move got pushed through at such a rapid pace last week, um, which hasn't been helped by the fact that Tenali's obviously out in um, Romania and Georgia at the under-21s. That's obviously put a little bit of a delay on it. Um, but as far as we're aware, you know, no problems, no issues. It should get done in the coming days. Um but look, it's still very early in the window. They're getting business done early like they did last summer. Um, but yeah, I think the fact that he's away on national duty and the fact to do the medical out there and, you know, Nick's in a national the fact to fly out, it's probably just, you know, causing a little bit of a delay. Do that makes a difference to a player when you see the club putting this much effort in? I know people are probably screaming at us now saying, well, that's, that's what a big club does. You know, they make these extra steps. But I suppose in many ways you've got to remember what it used to be like under the previous owner. But now we do have the club going the extra mile. Or, as I say, it might not even be the extra mile, just doing what a big club does and, and sending personnel out there to make the sales pitch in person, flying the medical staff out there. Because some clubs might say, OK, you know, this is the deal done, but we'll wait until you've done it in national duty and then you can come over and, and, and do the medical. I mean, that to me sounds stupid, but that's what some clubs might do. Whereas Newcastle, seizing the opportunity sending people out there wanting to get done as quick as possible does that make a difference do you think to a potential arrival oh absolutely I think the fact that you've I mean fair play Dan Ashworth's gone over there he's a sporting director you can imagine it very very surprised to see Steve Nixon making the journey as well I mean this is the man who is just the talent spotter he's the head scout he, he's the man who does the groundwork and then sort of leaves it at the club to get the deals done you know Newcastle showing that they mean business business by sending you know all these sort of big names over um, and as I said, you know, I don't think the, the Newcastle of yesteryear would have done anything like this. I think, you know, they would have probably tried to get it done, especially with the player at the under twenty one Euros. I think would have they would have tried to get it done um over the phone and over stuff like that. And I think it just gets a little bit more complicated when that happens. Um and where where do you think he fits in? Because that is the big question. Lots of debate whether it be a defensive midfielder who holds and allows Joe Linson, Bruno, is Joe Willick perhaps to, to, to push forward or does he play in the kind of wide role of, of, of the of the centre? Maybe Sean Longstaff's going to have to be the, the anchor man. W what's your understanding of his best position where you think Eddie Howe will deploy him? 
Look, I, I wrote a piece about this last week when it was, um, you know, it looked like the deal was about to be done. And I think it's very, very interesting that this is a player that can play in a lot of positions now. You know, the first thing we saw when all the, the rumours started were, oh, well, this means he's going to, you know, we're going to finally have signed a defensive midfielder and Bruno's finally going to be pushed forward. I, I generally don't think that'll be the case. You're signing a player now in Tonali who, yes, he can play deep and he can sit, but also um, where he's played for Italy before. He's also played on the left of a free for Italy under Mancini. He can sometimes pop up in an attacking position. He can play in a, you know, in a double pivot, which he has done at Milan this season, who play a different system at Newcastle. You're getting a player who can play in four different midfield positions. So I don't think it's as easy as just saying he's going to come in and, and sit and sweep up and you know allow Bruno to be more of an eight. Um, and I think Eddie Howe's had, what, three, four, tra- four transfer windows now at Newcastle United. He's had plenty of opportunity to go out and buy a sweeping defensive midfielder, and he hasn't. And I think that's because he wants the option of having players to rotate. Sometimes Bruno might play there, sometimes Sonali might play there. Um, but I think, yeah, I don't think it's as simple as saying he's going to be the man to be the, the new week-in, week-out defensive midfielder. My first versatility that he has is going to be absolutely key. And for a man who does mainly play centrally, you know, 130-odd crosses last season, which if you actually look at the number of crosses Newcastle United players put in, that would send them straight into second. Obviously, Kieran Trippier did 390, something like that. But, I mean, that, that that's quite an, uh, <laughs> it's an alarming stat in many ways that not many other Newcastle players managed to get uh, crosses into the box. But for him to go straight to second shows you as well. It's not just about breaking up play. It's not just about getting your foot stuck in. Um, it, you know, it's about being creative as well and I did do a, a YouTube video the other day where I, I went through a few stats and if you look at his stats in comparison to every other player in Saudi then they're not they're not great they don't blow you away but then you compare them to what Newcastle Knights players achieved in what was a fantastic season mm-hmm. you know he goes in fourth or fifth in most categories which to some might not sound brilliant but to me that's, I think that's quite quite something to see how, how he fits in creative gets a foot in you know he is going to be an upgrade on this Newcastle United squad. Absolutely. And I think I think Eddie Howe wants to get to a point now where he's got five, six midfielders battling out for three positions. And I think now he's he's close to having that. Is he gonna probably play every week? Probably not. I think they'll you know the amount of games they're gonna have this season, there's gonna be a lot of rotation. But I think if you're looking at who on paper is their best eleven, I think he now walks into that team. Um and I think Kieran Trippier is probably looking and thinking, if I might be off a couple of these set pieces next season. Well, if he can beat the first man, I'm giving the, the, the corners to Sandro, <laughs> definitely. Um, hello to Thomas watching in Norway. Hello to Trules and to kind of phrase regular viewers. Thank you very much, guys, for tuning in. A few people actually uh, making a, a good point that the uh, transfer window in Italy doesn't open until July the 1st. That, of course, doesn't mean you can't confirm that they've done a deal. Mm-hmm. We've seen this happening um, pretty much everywhere else. You know, as Aaron says, though, it's just formalities and we expect this deal to be completed by the end of the week. The other question is, though, Aaron, it is a big spend. It is a big spend. We believe at least 60 million, probably rising to, to, to above 70. Now, we don't know what the budget is. We don't really like trying to put a number on the budget because it's a fluid situation. They could also go and sell players uh, to, to hype up the budget. And, and actually, someone over the weekend made a good point to me that you, you could actually say Newcastle have £100 million in the bank to spend this window. 
but not every player's gonna. You're not gonna pay. If you're paying seventy five million for uh, Tenardi, you're not gonna pay that seventy five million up front. You're likely to play in, in installments. So actually, you only lost ten million of that budget. So when I ask you the question of how does this impact the budget, does that come into play? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think with every deal we'll see this season, it, it, Newcastle aren't alone. Alone in this, as you say, it won't be you know sixty million pounds up front. I think there will be, you know, it will be structured in a way that there's bonuses in there, there's performance clauses in there, um, but also at the same time, you know, let's not be in, under any illusions to tempt him away from AC Milan and tempt AC Milan to sell him. They've had to go in with a decent offer. Um, we think it's around sixty million. Which is, you know, a big outlay, but you know, we shouldn't really be surprised. Eddie House said, you know, he wanted two or three big elite additions, and I think, you know, he's got the first one over the line now. Will we see another sixty million pound outlay this season? Uh, this summer, I don't think so. I think we'll you'll see another two or three brought in definitely to improve the first team, but I think this will probably be the biggest single outlay that we see from Newcastle in the next couple of months. But what's also refreshing is the fact they're negotiating sensibly in the transfer market. They're not going in with insulting offers, which you know have got no hope of being accepted. They're not wasting anyone's time. They're not wasting their own time. They've gone in. They've known what East Milan have wanted. They've obviously tried to bring the, the, the price down, but they've not gone in and got about yes, thirty million from because it just wastes everyone's time. And then, and you're always going to try and get the best deal for your club. But I do think that's really refreshing because again. And I apologise for harking back to the dark old days under Mike Ashley, Lee Charney and Cole leading the, the negotiations. But we, we all know how, how that played about. You know, it wasn't just trying to get the best deal for Newcastle United, it was trying to get the cheapest deal for Newcastle United and often putting in, in bids that you just had no had no hope of getting accepted. It's totally different now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if if it's true about the, the fifty million pound bid for Brella, I think that is probably quite low. I think they've definitely you know, tried their luck there, they've chanced their arm and it hasn't come off. So they've moved on to Tonali and AC Milan have been much more receptive to selling them. But as you say, they're not wasting time. They're not trying to get, you know, low ball offers in that have got no hope of a thing. And also they're walking away from deals if they feel the negotiation isn't thing. You know, Inter Milan made it clear, you know, we do not want to sell Nicolo Brella this summer. Newcastle said, right, that's fine. We'll walk away from the deal. As I say, AC Milan, you know, didn't have that that same stance. When you are, when you hear Italian journalists and people who follow the football closely over there and follow AC Milan closely, and they say he's worth fifty million minimum. Uh, sorry, at most. Sorry, fifty million at most. And they say Newcastle have overpaid. What do you say to them? Are you are you a little bit sceptical? Very that? very sceptical. I think it's a. Is it is it a case of oh well we, we didn't really want to keep him anyway? Do you know what I mean? Is it a little bit of jealousy? Is it a little bit of, you know, well I don't know I, I don't know maybe there's a little tinge of that. At the same time, it's a big big gamble. He's never played Premier League football before. You know, clearly he's very very talented. He's very highly rated, um, in Italy, but we've seen over the years how many players, especially from Serie A, come over and just cannot make the grade. You know, there's a lot of them. Aquilani stands out of Liverpool, someone who they paid a lot of money for back then and just didn't cut it. So he might need a little bit of time to get up to speed. I've seen some journalists over there and fans saying that he goes misses in the big games. But look, this is a player who played, you know, 50-odd times for AC Milan last season. He got into the Champions League semi-final. 
he's captain in the under 21s at the Euros at the moment. He's played 15 times or 14 times for the, the senior team. They're getting a very good footballer. I just hope that they can bet him in and, and get him up to speed with the English game as soon as possible. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All the more important reason to get him in early and get him settled in the squad, get him over to America with his teammates and then have him back uh, here in time for that Premier League season, hopefully bedded in. Uh, into the comments we go then. Thomas says, I'd love to, love to see Zobazlai as our second signing after Tenali. Being able to bring in talents like this is fantastic. Happy old days for an old man like me. He was for the tune since 1968. Hmm. It's interesting um, on Zobaslai because late last week they announced that they had signed uh, a midfielder. Um, and they were also going to confirm another two uh, attacking midfielders uh, once the window opens. And a lot of Newcastle United fans kind of jumped on that and said, well, th- that that means, you know, surely Newcastle United are making a move from, we'll get a decision soon enough. There was also a plane that flew from Oxford to Leipzig. It flew from the airport owned by the Ruben Brothers in Oxford, which didn't help um, or did help the theories. But we have to also remember that Leipzig have also sold two of their really uh, key players one to Chelsea and, and one's leaving on a free transfer to Bayern Munich. One's a, a, an attacking midfielder, one's a centre midfielder. So, you know, the players who they've announced the signing are more than likely to be replacements for those that we know are already leaving Leipzig, not likely to be a replacement for Zawazai, who is, in some people's mind, on his way to Newcastle. Yeah, I, I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago and, and, and sort of how much to look into it. I mean... There was a big push a couple of weeks ago to try and get the captain, Danny Olmo, to stay, which they've managed to do, which again plugged a hole. I think the thing with Sowersly is, whether Rich and Cassie United related or not, you know he's had plenty of opportunities the last couple of weeks to, com- to commit his future. Every time he gets put in front of the camera, he's asked, what does the future hold? And every time he says, well, you know... You know, maybe I want to try something new, or you know, I don't want to have regrets. I think was the the last thing he said. I think they're resigned to losing him. You know, the people that I've spoke to regarding Sowersly say that he will be leaving Leipzig this summer. The only thing I think that probably stops Newcastle United is the price. Now we know he's got a release clause, which is set to drop at the end of the month. Is it going to be one of those ones a little bit like Madison, whether you know he comes to Newcastle or not? That drags on and and. You know, as the options start to thin out towards the end of the summer, as Leipzig maybe get a little bit more desperate to get some cash in for him, I think then we'll see that price drop. I think at the minute, you know, you look at the fees being touted for him, 70 million, 60 million. I just can't see it happening at that price at the moment. So do you see the fact that this clause, we believe, runs out on the 1st of July? Because some might look at that as it works in Leipzig's flavour where they can then say, well, actually, we want 75, 80 million He's a good player. We know how good he is. We know he's got suitors. Start a bidding war. But are you saying actually it might work against them in, in, in many ways because you know people aren't going to want to pay maybe even the release clause as it stands. They want to pay, pay less. And 
as time goes on, the power might start to seep from their hands. If if this clause runs out on July first, then you're going to see you know SummerSlam moving before then. I think I don't think you're going to get, and I think if it drags on after that, I don't think you're going to see any club paying more than what his release clause was a couple of weeks ago. It would make no sense, and I think the deeper we go in this window, you know Leipzig have strengthened in the belief that they're going to lose them. I think I think you can maybe see that price getting bought down. But look, there's going to be there's going to be plenty of other suitors. I mean, you know, you talk about Tonali being highly rated, Sobersly, similar age profile. You know, very 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 highly rated in Germany. I think I think he'll still cost you know a pretty penny. Do you think though? I mean, we've got people in the comments here saying I'd buy him for forty to forty five million. I think you I mean that was the deal. He'd be very happy with that. And I also says we can't afford him. But as you said earlier in the show, when Tenali signs for 60-odd million, you think that's going to be the only big splash out this summer. So therefore, you, you, you write off any potential arrival for Sobzai. Yeah, and look, the thing, the thing with the release clauses, and you know, that is what Leipzig saw at the time that, that he would be worth. It's not to say that he actually is worth 60 or 70 million. For me, it's a big risk to sign two players potentially for north of 122, 120 million and they haven't played Premier League football. I just think there's other options out there. I think Newcastle will be smart. I don't think they'll be railroaded into any, you know, big, big deals from I don't know. I think I think it could be one that drags on. Where else do you think Newcastle United are looking instantly with Dan Ashworth over Milan, they were then linked to Theo Hernandez of EC Milan. Obviously, we know left back is a big party for Newcastle United. I think they'll look close at home. I think they'll look at someone in the Premier League and try and get someone who they don't have to really worry about settling in, bedding in. I mean, obviously, Hernandez is a fantastic player, but again, he's not going to be cheap. I think there's probably better value in the Premier League than there is over on the continent. Yeah, potentially. I, th- I think you know we already know that. I think if you look at the last couple of weeks, the likes of Tierney, Kukurea, um, Anthony Robertson all linked, I think I wouldn't be surprised to see them maybe go for a younger left-back just to maybe, you know, not not the Harrison Ashby more, but someone similar to that. Because you've got to think, they've still got Byrne on the books, they've still got my target on the books, they've offered Dummett a new deal. Jamal Lewis is still there. That They're very well stocked at left-back and I know they need an upgrade, but I wouldn't be... Know, too surprised if they went for a younger option there. I think they'll want a new centre back. I think they'll want someone a rival share and potentially, you know, following his footsteps. And I think they they'll want another attacker. I think there's still, you know, a good couple of deals to be done before now and the end of the summer. Just check there the price tag for Nkuku, who's gonna join Chelsea from Leipzig. Fifty two million is the reported uh price tag. So, you know, they're getting money in, into the bank and I think his replacements only cost them six or eight million. So they're not going to be shy of a, a few bob, are they? I think, I think that is much more like the fee we'll see Sobosly go for this summer, whether it's Newcastle or not. I think something around 50 million, given his age profile, given you know what he did last season, given what he's done at international duty, I think 50 might might be fair. Certainly going to be interesting. I definitely think they need a, another attacker in it. And it's interesting because if... I mean, I, I would I would like to see an out and out defensive midfielder, but obviously if they buy Tenali, we're not going to see that. But I just wonder, does it still leave them a little bit short? Or are we saying obviously Tenali's got the tenacity to play in that position? We're not, but we're not saying 
We're not going to pigeonhole him into that position. Look, I, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if they get another midfielder in on top of Tonali. I think, I don't think you're going to go out and spend the same amount of money on a midfielder as you have for him. But if they can go out and get, you know, a fifteen, twenty million pound midfielder who can maybe sit, who can just, you know, offer a bit more depth. I mean, they were so light in that um, position last season. They were so light, probably even before Shelby went. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see a, another another midfielder brought in as well. If you're watching live, let us know in the comments what you think of that. Will Newcastle United bring in another midfielder on top of Tenali? Who would you like it to be? If you're for signing a left-back, who would you like it to be? Let us know uh, who your choices would be. Loads of questions coming in. This one from John. Um, do sources give local journals debatable info are you giving a skewed impression on certain subjects, i.e. transfer budgets? Look, I think, you know, I think what you've got to remember is that there's a there's a lot of sources out there and, you know, one person's, one person's information might not be the same as somebody else. Somebody has a source that's maybe, you know, very, very high at the club, but that might not be. So... It's not just club, is it? It's, it's not it's just club. Agents, it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's agents, it's, it's staff, it's players, it's... I mean, I've had That's people this week saying, "Oh, you know." I mean, someone's joked that I've just someone's joked uh, about seeing Dominic's mom in the chippy, uh, Dominic's obviously's mom in the chippy this weekend. But I've I've genuinely had people come to me and say, "Oh, I've heard this player was here this this weekend, or this player's agent was here this weekend." I mean, you don't take that at face value, then put in the calls. But often, you know. Sometimes that's how it starts, and that gets the ball rolling. Then you go and ask the right people or your trusted confidants, and then you get the information back. So I mean, but I think, I think the key the key point is is that you take everything with a pinch of salt, really, because sometimes you do question the motives of of certain people telling you this or that. No, absolutely. I think how many times have we seen agents trying to tout their players to maybe draw a bit of interest? Clubs maybe doing it as well. And I mean, just on your point there, I mean, the amount of times you hear taxi drivers or, or whatever say oh you know I've heard off the, the groundsman that Madison's going to be in first week of summer as I say you've got to just take it all with a, with a big pinch of salt indeed indeed let's move on then from transfers and we're going to talk about Anthony Gordon on international duty for England under 21s it is the Euro Championship that's where um, Denali is as well I tell you what right we've said on this podcast many times a full pre-season under Eddie Howe is going to work wonders for him now a few people we mentioned that a few weeks back was saying well he's not he's not going to have a rest though he's going to go away with England then he's going to come back he's going to be shattered but his form for England in the last week or so has been absolutely brilliant yeah. I don't think he's going to be tired he's going to be on cloud nine he's going to go into that pre-season camp on an absolute high and it's just going to propel him I think to, to greatness in Newcastle United. yeah Aye. I've said it I am so excited for next season with Anthony Gordon there. I just think the one player I'm looking forward to seeing next year is him. I think, as we've, as we've said many times on the podcast, I think a full pre-season with how, and I think the way he's ended the season, getting his first goal at Chelsea, playing in a different role, going to England duty, playing in a different role, really, really thriving. We're, we're probably actually seeing that maybe... Is Newcastle future doesn't lie out wide, maybe. Yeah, I mean, potentially. I mean, again, it's that versatility. I think that's what is key for for him. Uh, you know, you could look at other players in, in, in the squad as well. You know, Isaac, for example, 
I mean, across the midfield, Joe Linson, Willick, and of course, as we mentioned, the players that they're going to look to sign are going to bring in. Versatility is going to be absolutely key, I think, going forward in, in, in terms of what they want to achieve on the pitch. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, Gordon's testament to it. I think we saw the last game of the season at Stamford Bridge, he was playing a sort of, you know, central number eight, number 10 role, got his first goal. He's playing as an out and out number nine for England, which I didn't think we'd see. Um, and he's been absolutely fantastic. I mean, the way he scored a fantastic goal in the first game, which was was disallowed for an infringement, and he scored a fantastic header yesterday. He's linking up well. He got an assist in the first game. He looks at home in that central role, and, and maybe you know you've been banging the drum for months that they need a third choice striker. Do they? Anthony Gordon going is to Anthony come? Gordon now the backup? I don't know. I well, don't he, know. well, he's playing an out and out nine at a decent level at the Euros, and he's and he's absolutely flying. Yes, but he played that at Everton, didn't he as well? And I can't remember being absolutely. I can't remember working too well for him. But it, it's good to see that you know you have options. There's now three or four different positions on that pitch where Anthony Gordon could play, and it's it's very very exciting. How important is it that he that he does have a good you know Euros with you know twenty ones for for his confidence? Oh. It's absolutely massive. Look, you know, it's it's something that I, I always harp on about on this podcast. Must have been very, very tricky to leave Everton in those circumstances. He's came to Newcastle, huge price tag, injury problems. Now just to see him getting his first goal, you know, on the last day of the season, to see him, you know, really playing some fantastic football this summer, I think it it'll, it'll do absolute wonders for him. We've got a few people talking here about uh, Anthony Gordon. Les says Gordon has stood out within the 21s, but the pace of the game hasn't been at the Eddie Howe level. Truels backs it up, says you've got to take into account that Gordon was playing in the under-21s, but she hopes that Gordon can come good. I think it's just, for me, just about that confidence. You know, yes, OK, the level might not be Premier League standard, but then I also make the argument that even the senior side, England senior side have it so easy. I mean, come on, you're playing yeah. Malta and North Macedonia. With all due respect, what is the point in that? So, you know, people looked at the way Madison played against Malta and were like, brilliant, get him in. He's had a fantastic game there. Callum Wilson getting a goal as well. Cracking. Yeah, but does the same not apply? Because with all due respect, again, you, honestly, you might as well just give England a bye to the, to the, to the, to the tournament because they play easy teams, in my view. Um, and so I don't I don't necessarily agree with the the comments made there about Arts oh, in the twenty ones. I think it's still it's still a very good standard, but it is all about I think just boosting the confidence of Anthony Gordon, who knows he failed to hit his own level levels. He failed to hit the expectations of Newcastle United fans. He failed probably to match the levels that Eddie Howe thought he would he would he would match um, when he was signed in January. And he knows it's a big season coming up for him. Yeah, absolutely. I think look, you can only you can, yes, the standard might not be what we want it to be for. You know the type of challenge, but he's getting into fantastic positions. He's scoring goals. He's linking up well. He's he's looking very confident. It's going to do him absolute wonders, no matter who the opposition are. Uh, Philip says Gordon will be a massive player for us in a few years. And makes a point that uh, he moved away from home, uh, and the lad had to settle in. Tony, I agree with that. We've got a few people asking about James Madison and the latest on there. I mean, this is the fluid situation of the transfer market, isn't it? And it's only been open a, a week or so. You know, it looked last week like Newcastle United were, were, were in front. Now it looks like Spurs are leading the race. Again, whispers that he prefers to move to London and Newcastle in, in interest has, has cooled off. Where do, we, where do we believe the interest lies at the moment? What is the latest with Madison? I think Madison's 
you know, looking more and more tricky as the days go on. I think we know that there's been an interest for such a long time, but Leicester somehow think they can, you know, ask for fifty million pounds for a player who one is in the last year of his contract and two has just been relegated. So I, I think again, like Summerside's gonna come down to price. I think we know Eddie Howe likes him, we know Eddie Howe thinks that there's a, a role for him to play in this team. But again, I think, you know, with Leicester demanding what they're demanding I think it's very, very hard to see that a deal gets done unless they drop drop the price significantly. Got a few people on Twitter getting in touch, so I'll read through these <coughs> questions here. Um, they're all based on transfers, as you might imagine. So we'll start with Peter's question. With Tenali more or less now signed, who are we thinking will drop out of the current start in 11? Which in itself is refreshing, because I, who is in the current start in 11? In that midfield anyway, it could be you know, one person... Would already have to be dropping out anyway, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's a very, very fluid sort of setup in that midfield anyway, with the four big hitters before Tonali comes in. I think on paper, would it maybe be Tonali, Bruno, Jolinton? I've seen someone then, suggest Jolinton out on the left. Yeah, I, I mean, looking at that midfield three, are you maybe lacking a little bit in attack? You know, there's not many goals there. Maybe you you, you drop Jolinton on the left. Will it comes back in? I think I think Longstaff is probably the one, and look. Pains me to say, given that I'm, you know, the member of the fan club. But um, I think maybe on paper he probably drops out. Um, Tenali, the you know incredible engine, is probably going to do the running that he does. Do you get the um, feeling that Eddie Howe last season was was laying the foundations to move Julian and permanently out in that wide position? I've seen a few people suggest that. I don't um, necessarily agree with that because I do think he's stronger when he's playing part of a midfield three. But I've seen a lot of people. Pushing that agenda, I don't. I don't think. I don't think he was laying the groundwork to do it permanently. I think. I think Jordan's best position is in the middle three, and I think you've also got to remember that at different stages of last season, there was no Maxi out there, there was no Anthony Gordon out there. At times, you felt like he was sort of being shoehorned in that position. He did very, very well uh, going forward towards the end of the season, but I don't think you know that's going to be his out and out position going forward. And um, we've got Gordon Tate saying with the signing of Aminta, of course, has gone out over to Feyenoord. Um, how did Newcastle ensure their players get game time? Uh, QR at heart just seems to be the latest of a few un- unsuccessful loan spells for our youngsters. Look, I think, I think of course you're going to point back to Kual. It wasn't a good loan deal. They thought it was good. But if any man can get loan deals sorted, it's Dan Ashworth. Look at what he did at Brighton. They signed Moises Acido from the Ecuadorian League, four million sent him straight out on loan. Within a season, he's in the first team. He's now going to go for £70 million. Alex Alexis McAllister, signed him from Argentina, loaned him back to Argentina. Within a year, he's in the first team. He's gone to Liverpool. Every big player that they now have, a lot of them were signed, loaned straight out. Dan Ashworth knows exactly what he's doing. And actually, if you look at the Qual deal before it happened, sending him to Horse was a good, good shout, good level, you know, Playing the likes of Celtic and Rangers can only do you good. There was three Australian teammates over there. It looked good on paper. Yes, it didn't work out for whatever reason. I've got absolutely no no doubts about the loan deals that they're going to be sending on. And actually, sending Minter to Feyenoord is fantastic. Champions League football. They've just won the uh, the Dutch league. I've got absolutely no qualms about the, the, the loan setup at the moment. And I love the fact that that deal was announced as it was yeah. announced, he was confirmed as a Newcastle United player. I mean, that is the speed to which Newcastle United are working at now. There's no messing around. QR, though, quite interesting. 
you know, could he remain part of the first team squad? Do you think? I don't. I don't think so. I think you know, as I, as I point back to Ashworth's blueprint is always get them out, get them minutes. I don't think there'll be minutes for him in this Newcastle team, despite the amount of games they're going to have. I think get him a proper loan um, next season where he's going to get minutes, get experience in Europe. I think I think he'll go out again. It's going to be interesting to say. I was really impressed with how he handled not getting much game time yeah. at heart and he mm-hmm. came out and said, I, I don't regret anything, great experience. I mean, mm-hmm. that shows a, a real level of maturity. Obviously, you would like them to play week in, week out. I'm not a fan, as some have suggested, of, of having a clause where they have to play 75 no. 80% of their games because you want them in the team on merit. Just just to play devil's advocate, that loan did spell at hearts and the fact he wasn't playing will only make him more hungry to make sure the next time he goes away he getting, he's getting game time. So, yes, we would have liked to see a lot more of him, but I think I think next time around they'll, they'll get it right. So just going back to who drops out of the squad should Tenali or when Tenali signs, we've got... Roger saying uh, Longstaff would drop out. Truel says Longstaff should be dropped, <laughs> but how is how? I think she's suggesting a bit of favouritism there. Um, people, I've uh, got um, Mighty Wind saying for me, Willick should be under greater threat than Sean Longstaff, which is quite interesting. I think I do though subscribe to your kind of theory that it does lack a bit of threat. Uh, and we, we know when Joe Willick finds form, you know, he knows where the back of the net is. And mm-hmm. we do need to see more goals from him yeah. next season as well. It's a big, big season for him. But, you know, he finished um, with a flourish. Obviously, got injured, unfortunately, but he did finish the season strongly. Back to the questions then on Twitter. Uh, Toon Barmy NUFC says, do we need a backup right back in this window with Manquillo surely heading for the exit? Kraft just coming back from bad injury and Ashby lacking experience. Is this a position we are looking to fill? Are we going to have a fight here again? Am I gonna have to fight him? I'm not. I'm not fighting anyone over. Keep Mancuso. No. Keep no. him. Come on. To answer the question, you know, I'm gonna just skate over your your frankly wrong opinion. But I think, um, <laughs> no, I, I don't think it's a priority. I think, as you said, you've got four there. Mancuso, you know, I would say is probably gonna go. But really, really excited to see Emil Kraft back if he's over this ACL injury. I think it's gonna take him months. No, he's he's back on the grass. You know. As a man who's currently recovering from an ACL injury, I know that he's close. He's he was probably about four months ahead of me. He's got to be back soon, and if he's not, I'm really worried about myself getting back. Um, Harrison Ashby, it's a huge season for. Signed, you know, from West Ham, a couple of million pounds, but really, really, you know, exciting signing given what he did down there. I want to see him stay fit. I want to see him getting more game time. I really want to see him kick on but I don't think they need another right back this summer would you sign would you send Harrison Ashby out on loan I've seen a, a link to Leeds being muted again if you can kind of get him into a team where he gets first team football probably wouldn't be the worst deal but then do you leave yourself short if we're not 100% sure Kraft is going to be matched for, for, for a few months if you're ridiculously pushing Manquillo to the exit door, you, then you can't, surely you can't send Ashby out on loan. I think if it gets to the end of the window and Manquillo is still there for whatever reason, um, then I think, yeah, maybe send him out on loan. I think Leeds would actually be quite a good fit for him if he was going to get decent minutes. Um, but otherwise, I think if Manquillo goes, I think you've probably got to keep him, try and get him integrated in the first team. I like the mighty win. Look at that. With you, Andrew, I think Manquillo is a cracking cover for Trippier. Thank you, the mighty win. Read that. 
comment as well from I could, there's too please. there's uh, too many comments to read who disagree with me on this Krathenash be great support for trips Soz but Manquillo has to go I think is what Roger's getting there to kind of phrase says to the Krath or Manquillo the squad can't have room for well, that, both well there we go answer that one if, if it had to be one of one or the other would you like to see Krath go or Manquillo go if both fully fit then Kraft gets ahead of, of Manquillo thank for thank me. But much. I just worry how much this injury's affected him. We, we aren't going to know, are we? I mean, we haven't seen him since August. Could you, could you potentially send Kraft out on loan till, till January and get him built up? Send him maybe back to Sweden, send him to the championship mm. side and just say, look, you've, you are part of our first team plans, but A, you're not going to get a play that much anyway ahead of Korean trip yeah, because you know, he's largely fit all the time. Go out and build yourself back up. I can't see it. I just don't think there's the bodies there, especially if Mankyo goes. I just, I just can't see it happening. Yeah, but in that case, you keep Manko. You know, there's keep him. Lot, there's a lot of love for Mankyo. Look at that. Comments, I'm surprised. John, Mankyo must stay. There's a lot of love. There's a lot of love. Uh, what does the other John say? Trust in the process. Every signing now is an exciting sign. Just loving every minute of the roller coaster of a club at the moment. Go back to the last few questions on Twitter. Thank you very much for getting in touch. Um, this one is another one about Tenali. I've uh, kind of already answered it, but we'll, we'll, go, we'll answer it again. Uh, Ethan says, after signing Tenali, how much do you think Newcastle will spend in the rest of the window? Aaron's kind of already said, well, hasn't kind of, he's already said he doesn't think there'll be another big outlay. I still think there'll be, I still think there'll be significant money spent. I still think they'll, they'll get another one or maybe two through the door that are instantly going to improve this start on 11 I think I wouldn't be surprised to see you know decent outlays on an attacking midfielder whether that's Madison Sobersly or elsewhere I could still see easily another £15 million midfielder come in there's money to be spent at left back I think there's I think we'll still see a significant outlay I don't think they're by any means done I think there's money to be spent yeah, Tony says Kraft is a Better than Manquillo, but it depends on how he comes back yeah. from injury. John says Manquillo is a good squad player. Trul says Kraft isn't better than Manquillo. They are at the same level in her opinion. And the mighty win says, as I said before, if Ashby went alone, couldn't get the lead start at 11 in the championship, he's not going to do it for us. Loads of interesting comments there. Thank you, um, as always. Right, we're going to talk about the comments from Newcastle United's chairman, Al Romani, who was interviewed by the club, it looks like probably I would imagine on the last home game against um, Leicester, wasn't it? Because uh, he showed the inside of his suit with the Newcastle United badge. So <laughs> let's read some of what he had to say. If you're watching live, let us know in the comments what you thought about his interview and we'll get Aaron's analysis of it. Um, so he was asked about the Champions League qualification. And he said, it's a great achievement to start with. So did we expect to do that? Yes. I mean, we have the ingredients for success. You have a club that's only in one city. We have the will and want to achieve the best positions we can. We have the right people. And when I say the right people, I mean the management, the technical director, the, the manager, and the right players. Uh, because remember, the players are one of the most important components. And to top it all off, we have a great fan base. If you have the right people and the right will, and then you have the right processes and funds, if you put it all together and it's a great recipe for su success, that's what we are achieving right now. Two things for me that stand out. I think one, he's absolutely spot on about them getting the right um, people in place. I think you look at Newcastle off the pitch now, you know, 
Eels, Ashworth, Silverstone, that lot. It's it, it's fantastic to... Sure, is he the only man that expected Newcastle United to get I think, I think so. I certainly don't think that was a, a you know the general assessment. I guess that shows you kind of the mindset of of the public PIF. investment fund, isn't yeah. it? You know, they're, they're never going to admit to not thinking they can achieve the best because it probably shows a sign of weakness. You know, they want the very best. They probably see seeing that, even if you maybe don't feel it is probably a step towards that. You know, very confident that they've got everything in place. And, you know, he, Almani is right about the people they've got in place. And that's one of the things that has stood out is about going out and getting the most experienced um, people in place. And we, we had an episode, actually, of Let's Talk Out that went out over the weekend with Stuart Jameson, who was filling in for Gibbo. And we were talking about a fan zone. And we were talking about having... Davin Eels in place and having Seller the, the sponsor to maybe help out with his fans and, and Stu made an excellent point he said in many ways it's a brave decision to put into place Davin Eels Dan Ashworth Peter Silverstone and others because what you're doing is a man that's stately as Alba Marnie as, the, the, as Jamie Rubin he said you're not having an ego you're holding your hands up and going actually there are better people, yeah. more experienced people to get on with the job in hand. And I, that I don't know you know, what they know. I'm not as experienced as them. And he says, yeah, it shows no ego and a brave decision. Can you imagine those type of appointments in the light, actually? Never not in a million that. years. So exactly that, yeah. No, nah, not at all. Um, and I mean, the other thing that stood out um, in this interview was talking about the ambition to be number one, mm-hmm. um, which I think all, you know, Hit hit a lot of people. Obviously, everyone connected to Newcastle wants to see them battling at the right end of the league. What did you take from from that? It wasn't really a revelation because we, we we know why they've come in to buy Newcastle. They want to be the very best. No, but you 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 hit the nail on the head before. The public investment fund do not settle for anything but the best. And I think this you know could it be to the sort of detriment of Eddie Howe and Newcastle that if they all of a sudden slip up like they haven't done so far. But if they have a poor start of the season and they're struggling in the Champions League, you know, PIF are used to winning. They want to win. They've got the money to win. They've got the ambition to win. And everything they do, um, you know, mediocrity isn't isn't sort of tolerated. So I don't know, maybe further down the line it becomes a, you know, a negative. But I think, you know, as you've said, they want to be number one in everything. Does it give fans hope that this window already how will be back and we won't be sitting at the end of the window with only Tenari brought in and no. Newcastle lacking a squad that can handle the rigours of the Champions League? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, it's it's very, it's good that, you know, our mind comes to the games, he sees Newcastle United at its best. Um, I think he knows that with, it, you know, a few more ingredients in this team that can go, do really, really good things. And I think, I think they'll be, they'll be the checkbook. And just, summer. just speaking in general, it's not something we saw from Mike Ashley very, very, very rarely. I think three, four times maybe we saw him speaking. Uh, and then that was filled with promises that more often than not didn't uh, come to fruition. What does it mean for Newcastle United fans to see the chairman coming out and speaking publicly and openly about their ambitions? And not talking about, you know, having wealth and the value of wallpaper and you know not being able to match the big boys actually mm-hmm. setting out 
a grand plan, not to match the big boys, to be the big boy. Yeah, it's so refreshing, isn't it? It's night and day from, you know, Mike Ashley coming out and releasing nameless state, uh, statements that they've spent all the money on Joe Willock and there's nothing left, or as you say, the wallpaper, you know, all this money being in the wallpaper, I think it's just good to see that, you know, members of the club are coming out. We see it a lot with Stavely, Aramay, and Eels does a lot of interviews. Um, it can only be a good thing. And obviously there's always a lot of talk about, oh, you know, will the, will the Saudis, uh, you know, I'm not talk you ever believe but you know some people you know will it will a sell out or how invested are they actually in Newcastle United but again I suppose if a Newcastle United fan looking look very positively at that interview it, it, again it just reaffirms that the commitment to what they what they see to the club and that they're, they're here to stay in the mean business yeah absolutely I think you know you see the portfolio that PIF have got they've got you know their fingers on a lot of pies the the deals that they're doing in Saudi Arabia are you know, astronomical, you know, whether they're good or bad for the game, it's a different question. But even with that being said and the fact that PAF are, you know, over across everything, you can still see that Newcastle United are very much, you know, part of their plans and, you know, they're putting a lot of time and resources into that. And one of the things they are putting resources in is the potential to expand the stage of news broke over the weekend that the East Stand is what they're currently looking at, an extra 10,000 seats or so. Now, they're going to have the very best architects on this. They're <laughs> going to be working with the council. But that's going to be some challenge because that listed building is yeah. not too far away from the stadium. Again, I was speaking to someone over the weekend. They said, well, could you not, could, couldn't you cast out and not buy out everybody in Lisa's Terrace and then incorporate that into the stand, turn some of it into a cafe, one bit into a museum, you know, you don't lose anything of it. You maintain it. You conserve it. But what it means is that you can you can build what you want. I'm not sure how that would work. Uh, I've seen other people saying knock it down brick by brick and build it elsewhere. That's no, definitely not never, happening. Never, never. If Newcastle United is part of our culture and, and, and heritage of Newcastle United, then so is you know the important streets like Lisa's Terrace, etc. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it's big news. But it's not going to happen overnight. No, not going to happen overnight. But very, very interesting that it came out over the weekend, though, because you know every time we hear about stadium expansions or potential plans, these stands never really, never really the one that you hear is going to get extended. So very interesting to see how they do it. As you say, they'll have the best of the best on it. Um, got a sort of sneak peek at it when I was at the Sam Fender gig. The safe standings in place in the corner looks really, really good. Um, I think that'll be really good next season. I mean, 10,000 extra seats, I think it's going to cost them a lot of money. And, oh, of course it will. You know, is it going to be worth it for 10,000 extra yeah, seats? come on. I mean, you know, you see the demand for tickets now. They're, they are going to have to extend it, you know, sooner rather than later, whether it's 10 or 15 or whatever. And I, to be fair, you know, look, I'm not an architect. I can't say exactly how it will be done. But I, even if they had 10,000 on there, I think there'll be another extension. Look at what Manchester City have done. They've built stand after stand after stand. They're keeping increasing their um, capacity. And I think, you know, if City are doing it, then Newcastle United definitely should be. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to watch. And of course, still got the strawberry corner land. Thank you very much to everyone who's listening and watching. Hit the subscribe button if you're on YouTube, if you're on podcast remember to like and follow and leave us a rating and review and head over to chroniclelive.co.uk to keep it with all the latest newcast united news i'll pop the link into the comments to where you can join our whatsapp transfer group aaron it's going pretty well that hasn't it yeah pretty well we're on a second group we've got about 2500 in there so yeah 
the more the merrier. And we put in just breaking news, so and we don't bombard you guys. It's just the important story. So I'll put that link into the comments, and you can sign up for that totally free deal. And like I said, do head over to the website. We've got a dedicated transfer live blog where we'll bring you any of the gossip, rumours, and concrete transfer stories from myself and Aaron. It's been a pleasure, as always, and we'll be back very soon. Mm-hmm.